When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome to Ladies Who London podcast. I'm Emily Dell. And I'm Alex Lacey and we are qualified London Blue Badge Tourist Guides. Each week we bring to you some of the best bits of London. We talk about our favourite people, places and events with a bit of information, a lot of laughs and a whole lot of fun. We can be found on Instagram at Ladies Who London podcast and on our website guideemily.com and alexlacey.com as well as our dedicated podcast website ladieswholondon.com we did it. We did it. We got through it. We did, but I think I might have said guideemily.com. You did, and that's... that's I was thinking that when you said running. that. It's not running. It's not running now. Forget <laughs> Emily's website. You can't get in touch with her. Nobody cares. Lovely. Um. <laughs> oh, I'm doing a new one. I'm doing a new one. <laughs> how are you, oh, How are you, my dear? Oh, well, I'm fine. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. Can we just talk about the snow for a second? I'm so excited about the snow. It's so <gasps> It snowed last night in London. We're recording this on what day are we? Monday. Sunday. Um, oh no, it's Monday. Monday. And it <laughs> snowed, and it's a winter wonderland. And I am such a kid when it comes to snow. And I got so excited. I love that thing of going to bed at night, knowing it's snowing, and knowing it's going to be lovely and white when you wake up. It's like it's like Christmas for me. I get so excited. It and really it, it was is. just gorgeous this morning. Yeah, I'm looking outside now and it's all starting to melt. But, you know, Aslan could come around the corner any moment. And it's Is it starting like... to melt? I thought it was still below freezing. It should stay there. Do you think? Well, mine oh. mine looks like it's melting. Or at least there's Maybe. a lot of kind of, uh, there's a lot of ice and water falling from the trees currently. Mm. Um, Maybe it's supposed to keep snowing this week as well, which I'm very excited yeah. about. Yeah. Gosh, we in for a white Christmas. <laughs> Maybe tingles, tingles, and tingles. I hope so. Oh my goodness, how wonderful! <laughs> I love the snow. I love it so much. I'm such a kid about it. Yeah, I do. So, are you getting quite Christmassy now? Because I didn't think you were into Christmas. I do like Christmas. I, just, I haven't been feeling that Christmassy um, yet, but I think the snow is helping. Definitely. Good. Yeah. Good. I um, got some Christmas cards back from Carmen's nursery um, that she did. And it's of, I'll just show you to gauge a reaction. It's her foot (laughs) in brown paint and they've turned it into a Rudolph. It's just (laughs) the most angelic thing ever. It's about as haunted as Carmen is herself. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's terrifying. Take it away. Take it away. (laughs) Look at her little foot. Oh, it's so cute. Oh, I was going to send you one. I don't need to now. No, that's fine. Thank <laughs> you. I'm all good. Um, <laughs> I saw my nephlings this weekend and uh, they one of them was making me Christmas cards, which basically involved sticking Christmas stickers onto card. I got two. Everybody else got one. I got two Ooh, cards. What does that say? That says I'm their favourite human. That's what that says. <laughs> oh, yeah. Kids don't give their stickers away lightly. No, I've learned this not. now. They Carmen's just getting stickers. Um yeah, so I got I got two whole cards covered in stickers, which was very nice, indeed. 
And I should say this week, I'm not at home. I am in my little office space, which is in Putney. Um, So it might be a little bit noisier in the background than it is usually. because People are walking up and down and and having meetings and making coffee and things. Um, So apologies if there's some background noise this week. Um, But that's where I am because we're both so busy this week. You do look like you're in... In, in, I've got I've got my little it's a little kind of well sort of noise proof booth so it's mostly noise proof um, and I'm in this little kind of phone booth which is rather cute um, yeah, yeah we're, so, we're so busy like that booth, our normal evening booth. where we record the podcast we both went oh, we both got stuff on so we've had to find time in the working day so I'm not responding to emails I'm doing the pod instead but there we go <laughs> are you excited about uh, upcoming Christmas Oh, I'm so excited. What are you doing for it? I cannot wait. So the day um, itself, we've got Nick's mum that's coming down here. Um, And then on the Boxing Day, we're going to go up um, to Bournemouth where Nick's, uh, the rest of Nick's family are. So... So the first yeah, Christmas just, in your new home. Yeah, so just, exciting. yeah, just excited. I mean, it's all about kind of the food, isn't it? The food yeah. and watching TV and just kind of not feeling guilty about anything you put in your, <laughs> your mouth. <laughs> oh. Well, as long yeah. as that's what Christmas means to you, mate, that's, that's, that's fine. <laughs> that's, it does. No guilt day, please. <laughs> Right, oh. well, before we crack on into the podcast, we have to finish our podcast pedestal from last week. Yes, and uh, if you remember, we actually decided to do two we did. podcast pedestals. We decided to do Emily a serious was cross one that and she a silly one. Because I was so far behind, I thought I might as well try and give myself... And I, I actually have to apologise this week. I, I I, said that my friend Katie had said, oh, well, Emily can't win last week. Apparently she said no such thing. So she must have obviously just said something about it. And I formulated that in my head. Oh, Alice, um, why so are you trying to cause Katie. the drama? Let's hear for the drama, babe. Katie, for the drama. I, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> Do not worry, my love. So I obviously created that, that narrative in my own tiny mind, um, going, ooh, Emily can't win now, and attribute it to Katie. So apologies there. Um, but there we go. Well, we know for next time. We know for and next And I have time. put the, the honour of announcing the winners of the podcast pedestal um, in Emily's hands this week, basically because I've left my phone elsewhere. So I haven't got it. <laughs> And she's very excited. I'm so excited. Oh, I can tell from her face she's won them both. <laughs> remind, remind everyone what they were. So we had two this week, just okay, to try and so make Emily feel better about herself. Well, do you do you remember at all what you no, did? No, I have no said? clue. Okay, right, I'll tell you. So for the serious one, you went for the execution of William Wallace being at the fair. I did, yes. Yeah. Um, you got... Oh, I'm just so going to give it away, Stray. You got 44%. Yours? 44%. And what was your serious one? Mine was the stolen sandal. Right here, stolen sandal. Oh, and I've got yeah. 56%. Whatever, gang. Whatever. So I won that one. Okay. And the, and the more fun one? And then the silly one. So you went for the pie powder quartz. Oh, yes, I did. I really enjoyed that. You did, and I went for the wife selling. Oh, she's totally won. You can tell from her face. <laughs> I really won this one. So, oh. <laughs> so you got twenty-one percent, and I got seventy-nine percent. Right. <laughs> You're still not going to win the year, though, babe. Well, so I think now I've got to try and work it out and get it ready for next week, so we know the actual score. I'm going to go through it all, okay? Um, because I'm sure there's one or two that I've missed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I, one thing I'm not is a cheater, and I will be fair and absolutely square. So if if you have one, I will bow down to you. But um, I will look into it. But currently, you are winning. Yeah. 
Well, maybe maybe we'll get we, we're due to have a, a guest next week, so maybe we'll get our guest to announce the, the final scores on the doors. Oh yes. Year. Oh, but I'll have to. I mean, if they want the job of going through it. Oh no, you can go through it. Then then you can give it to them to announce. Oh okay. All right. Okay. Then I'll we we, we can take the logistics chat offline. Don't worry. Yeah. Listeners don't need this. <laughs> they don't need the logistics. <laughs> So, I know you were absolutely riveted last week when you found out I was going to be talking about the flood. Cannot wait. <laughs> Bring it on. I did think after I chose it, I was like, mm. no, it wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't riveted. I was thinking, I was doing my thinking face, which often involves me looking off into the distance and going quiet because, you know, thinking takes a lot of effort for me. It does. It uh, does. Wow. Okay. Thanks. Um, was hoping for a bit of a support, well, I mean, but no. In general. <laughs> <laughs> nice save. Nice save. Thanks, so no, thanks. I was. I was very much. I was kind of. I think I was racking my brain to to think of things. Um, but yeah, no, I am. I am excited. Let's do it. Let's do it. Woo. Exactly. Okay. So I'm actually obsessed with the River Thames. Like I think from living close by and watching the tide and the force of the river. Um, especially during lockdown when there was nothing really on it and really recognising how much it moves. Um, so I have wanted to talk about um, one because there's been quite a few floods in London and I think it's quite hard to conceive now because we have the Thames barrier which I'm going to talk about and you know I think being near the Thames you feel so safe there's a lot of you know apartments a lot of people want to live by the river be on the river so to think that such a horrible thing happened in 1928, which I'll go into, is quite um, inconceivable today. And just to clarify, this is not a beer flood, is it? Yes, yes. It's when uh, <laughs> God spilled a huge Fosters <laughs> on London. Um, no, it's not. It's not the famous beer flood. But um, we did, of course, start with the beer flood. Not that this is our last ever pod. Our very first episode many first years episode. ago. Yes, if you don't know what the beer flood is, you know, just tap into that. Audio Go back to the start. Conversation's great. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so we are in 1928. And in terms of a flood, people, I think, just wasn't prepared for it. And there were a few warning signs, but I think even today, if you heard, for instance, in the papers that Kew Gardens had sustained huge damage by recent frost, more so than it's ever experienced in 40 years, or say, for instance, you read in the news that there was um, uh, tugboats that were having to kind of pull coal lighters through the Thames because everything had kind of frozen over. I think you still would just, you wouldn't presume that anything bad was going to happen. Um, there was a columnist who worked for the Richmond and Twickenham Times and he was talking about how the Christmas before January of 1928, and we're going to be talking about the 7th of January when this flood occurred. Um, during Christmas, he wrote, I heard no bells when New Year 1928 came in, except the striking of the clock. I don't say that there were no bells, but their sound did not reach me. When I opened the door um, at a minute before midnight, lifeless, rawly cold, the four proceeding, drip, 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 most melancholy. Silence plus the drippity drip, drip, drip of the melting snows of yesteryear. Um, I think he Ooh. thought himself as a bit of a poet, this man. He fancied himself a bit, didn't he? 
did really, yes. Loving the trips. So basically, what I'm trying to tell you is before the 7th of January 1928, there was a lot of conversation about the weather, about how much snow had fallen, about the freezing of parts of the river. Conversation came up again about the ice fairs in the papers, which we've, of course, spoken about on a previous pod. Um, but still, you know, nobody was prepared and there was no warning sign at all. And as we reached 1920s, London was the biggest city in the world in terms of its population. And there were a lot of people that were living right by the river. And there was a huge movement of um, lots of homes and warehouses and basements where people were living uh, very much um, in the area of Bankside and close to Millbank, which are two areas where it saw uh, major flooding. Um, in terms of safeguards, because you think, well, there must have been something, they must have thought about it, they must have thought about a flood, um, but they didn't have any kind of um, anything really in place. So after midnight, the rivers burst its banks. This is on the 7th of January, 1928. And this is just due to, to heavy snowfall melting, is it? No, no, no. So this is, um, I'll talk about it. So it basically, it's all to do with the North Sea, basically, oh. because, you know, if you don't know, um, it doesn't take too long if you're in London and you're moving from the centre of London in the easterly direction up the river. It doesn't actually take you too long to get to the sea. And maybe I should explain as well that the river is a tidal river. So, um, which they say is the very reason why London exists today, because the Romans use that tide to kind of bring their boats in and out. And so in terms of the water coming in, if there is something that happens out at sea, um, like a cyclone or something, then you have got an extra amount of water coming towards London. And this is what happened. So, uh, but it also, the, the fact that it was a terrible winter where there was so much snow that also melted, where you've got extra water upon the floor, that of course didn't help. Right, okay. Um, so the amount of water coming down the Thames doubled. Um, you had water levels in the Thames estuary, which rose to four feet above normal, which is- Goodness. Just crazy. I'm thinking about along the river where you've got those little pastel green lion heads with their gaping mouths open. Yeah. And they say if the lions drink and they're hydrated, then London will flood. Yeah, and if the lions it, are drinking, then London is sinking. Exactly, exactly. So um, at 1.30 a.m. in the morning, and of course, you know, people are waking up and they're just... Uh, their basements, their homes are starting to be flooded. And it, there's just, as I say, there's no warning sign at all. So it must have been just so scary. And also it's January. It's been incredibly cold. It's not like where you've got a flood for, you know, heavy rain in the summer and you can kind of cope with the temperature. Temperatures are incredibly low. So be, being wading through that water must have been just horrible. Um, and at this point, so it reached the highest level. So you've got this kind of datum line, which is essentially, I mean, you use them for 
like engineering purposes, if you were going to build a bridge, you would have a particular line where the traffic was going to kind of be driving over or in terms of water, this is the the, the level that we wanted to kind of rest at, for instance. Um, and it reached the highest that it had ever been recorded before. <laughs> I mean, it's quite mad, actually, because if you think, I mean, the, the river currently rises and falls seven to eight metres, which what, what is that in feet? I'm not sure what that is in feet. It's like 23. 23, something like that. So that And that's twice a day. And often yeah. when it is high, the, the tide is really high, it's not that far below the the level of the road. Sometimes I think, blimey, that's going to, you know, it, it's quite amazing. So if you think, you know, even a little increase is really going to have a, have a massive impact. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you're right. Because, yeah, there are some bits where you think, oh, God, maybe it's like higher than it usually is today. But yeah, it's just, it really feels like it sometimes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, now, at Teddington, so going in the direction of the west, there's a, a big lock there. So if you leave London, you get to like the area of Teddington or just kind of within the boundary. Um, and so water was pouring over the weir. They say nine million gallons every 24 hours. Oh, my goodness. So this would tell you that this is not a flood that's going to quickly subside. It's a little bit like the Great Fire of London, but with water. You know, it's going to go on for a couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> a, a wetter version of the fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Completely different, but also exactly the same. <laughs> people are running. <laughs> Actually, no, people are swimming. They're trying to swim away. Um so from Greenwich to Twickenham, there was so much damage. I mean, that is a huge amount. And oh. I say that mostly because from Greenwich to Twickenham, you've got so many people living close by the river. Yeah, I mean, Obviously, that's the entirety of central London, isn't it? So yeah, there's a yeah. huge amount of people, gosh. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it poured into the area of Richmond. Um, it was reported in the Times that people were roused from their bed at 2am. The highest tide in living memory came up into the roadway, invading the shops of Twickenham um, over Richmond Bridge, which is just crazy to think of. Yeah. Um, you know, cars were held up. Um from midnight until four o'clock, the roadway was underwater to a depth of over a foot. Oh my goodness. All the ground floors of the flats were flooded. And for over 200 yards along the Richmond Road, water was level with the shops, the ground floor shops. <gasps> like, can you imagine? That's madness. Yeah. People said that, you know, a couple of hours after the the water level was really rising. All you could really hear was the sound of people banging nails into wood where they were quickly trying to kind of stop oh. the water from coming in through their windows, through their doors. Wow. That, I mean, that, yeah. yeah. You can't even imagine that now, can you? I mean, I say that. No. I know a lot of places around the UK have had really bad floods in the last few years. Um, Over the past few years, yeah, true. Yeah, it's been terrible. Yeah. I mean, in London, it's not something that you can kind of imagine. Um mm. Yeah, gosh. Yeah, the the worst area was right in the centre of London. So when you're coming around from kind of Waterloo to Charing Cross, the river kind of bends around. You get this yeah. kind of little curve. And this is where the water really spilled uh, over the embankments. It flooded the area of Southwark. Um, the Houses of Parliament, there are the most incredible pictures. 
I mean, obviously, I use incredible and not in the the, the wonderful sense, but um, <laughs> in terms of like how much of the building was, you know, attacked by the water. Um, the Tower oh, really? of London, there's an image of um, when you go inside the tower, you've got you're basically um, in the middle of the two defensive walls and on your right hand side, you've got Traitor's Gate. And usually you look down and you can see a little bit of water that they've pumped in for dramatic effect. And the whole entire like open area where you usually look down and see coins in this open space was filled with water and went kind of halfway up to Traitor's Gate and spilled over the road. As I say, that you'd be standing in if you were in between these two defensive walls. Um, uh, one I've just brought of... up a photo of that and it, it's... Uh, yeah it's amazing and as somewhere that we guide regularly mm. that's oh it's really quite shocking isn't it yeah yeah there's also one um there's a photo where the moat i mean it's a crazy as well because the moat at this point had been empty um and dry for about 80 years because they drained it because mm. of it was you know so smelly and all sorts of different things um and they used it to have a well they had a couple of football pitches in it you know if you walked past in 1928 and you were going over tower bridge and you looked over um in down into the moat you'd have seen a couple of football pitches where you know some of the omen warders presumably would have probably had a bit of a kick about late at night um, and that was completely filled with water. You could just see in the pictures the top of the um, the football pitches. Wow. So I'll try. I'll find a photo of that and I'll put that up on Instagram. Yeah. Um, the the worst as well in terms of I mean the worst I have to say was for for civilians in their basement homes, um, which I'll shortly come to. But at one place which is very familiar to us, the Tate Britain. The Tate Britain is in the area of Millbank. It's on the north side of the river, not too far down from the Houses of Parliament. And they held, they stored a lot of their paintings in um, in the basement. So as oh, soon move. as, of course, yeah, absolutely bad move. As soon as the flood kind of headed in that direction and it pushed through the gallery, they say about 18 paintings were damaged beyond repair. Two, no, honestly, yeah, 226 oil paintings were damaged. Mm. A further 67 were slightly damaged. Um, and you've got individual galleries within the Tate Britain. Nine galleries went underwater. Really? Because oh a lot goodness. of them, you know, were partly in the basement uh, that people could go down at the time. Um, you also had outside the gallery, so as I say, because you've got this kind of bend which leaps around as you pass Charing Cross and you're going past Parliament in the direction to Millbank, it kind of bends and leaps around again. Um, and you had a section of the embankment which had collapsed. Um, Pimlico saw a lot of damage. You had a lot of people living right by the river in close proximity together in Pimlico. Um, uh, I have to say a few people did die. 14 people in total died from this flood. Um, four people uh, in Pimlico. And oh, I just like can't even, can't even fathom because it, it would have happened so, so quickly. Like as soon as the water yeah. was coming, it was going to be coming really, really quick. About 4,000 people lost their homes. That's a like, lot. They, 
Yeah, 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 yeah. And you had like kind of policemen trying to go door to door or just kind of going in boats along the Thames, just trying to shout out to people to get out of their homes as quick as possible. It just must have been so scary. And Mm. so because obviously it's cold as well and you haven't got time to grab any of your belongings, you know, you just need to get out. But where do you go? You know, how far can you get to quickly that's Mm. not going to be touched by the water? Wow. Um, yeah. And how so long did the water stay up for? How long, did it, how long was it really high? So it was high for about three days. Wow. So, yeah, it took about a month, probably a little bit more than a month, actually, to really pump out all of the water. But it receded after about, well, the, most of it receded after three days. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But as I say, the worst affected were the slums, you know, and you kind of... Even in the Standard, 1920s, really. yeah, yeah, yeah. You had a lot of um, slums, which we've obviously spoke about. We spoke about them a couple of weeks ago in the area of Shoreditch, which is obviously, you know, relatively kind of safe from this, probably. I don't think that the flood would have reached all the way up there. But you did have a lot of poor people living together, you know, lots of families crammed into these tiny little homes in Westminster, in Lambeth, um, in Pimlico, which is quite hard to fathom now because, you know, these areas have completely pushed, um, uh, you know, so many people out and you've just got uh, people that can afford in very expensive properties living in the area now but at the time in the 1920s yeah a lot of people a lot of people um, were caught up in this yeah um the area of blackfriars you know we've got so many tiny little streets little alleyways quite reminiscent of shakespeare's time Mm. even in the 1920s and these were just filled with water again i'll try and find some um some pictures up because it's just uh it's just crazy there's one where there's these um young girls and i think it's actually close to the area of where i used to live and where you live so quite close to rubber hive and from one house to the other they're just trying to kind of balance along a piece of wood um to try and get from one house to the other safely i saw that yeah Mm. goodness yeah 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 so there were obviously damage to tunnels there was a lot of damage to um in rotherhive you've got the two tunnels Mm. and one of them would only have been there probably for about 10 years which is the one that you drive through the rotherhive tunnel Mm -hmm. and then you've of course got the thames tunnel which you and i have spoke of before yeah um which flooded when they first made it Yeah, Um, it yeah You just think like the process to try and get all of the water out. It's a long, it's going to be a long old job, isn't it? Yeah, it's a lot of money, a lot of money. So you had kind of so many historical buildings that were destroyed. You know, you had problems with the electrical system, the underground system. You know, you think about the underground trains as well. London is such a... you know, subterranean city that there's yeah. so much life underneath the streets. It's going to be completely and very heavily uh, dependent on this. its on its tube system yeah. and and you know underground whatevers. You know the the rail yeah. the mail rail that we've spoken about before that would have been running at the yeah. time. I mean, there's yeah. there's a lot of stuff there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, do you know the boat that you can find on the river today? The HMS President. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, so this was there at the time. So this was a former Royal Navy boat. Um, it was kind of used for the, it was like a volunteer reserve boat. And at the time, it kind of just completely lifted and it just sailed down the embankment. Really? And they, yeah, and they actually had to try and tether it to Cleopatra's needle to stop it from, you know, just f- flying or kind of sailing very quickly down oh towards ha- the Houses of Parliament. Um and See, this is this is what I love about doing this podcast is stuff that I would never have known about in a million years that we just we go digging for and find out. And I just find it fascinating that yeah, something that I at the see. time would have been, you know, huge and would have mm. been something people would have talked about for so long just doesn't kind of come up that much until you kind of do a bit of digging. I love that. Mm. It's it's fascinating to me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because when I read that, I was like, oh, go past the president so many times. Yeah. You'd never think like, oh, <laughs> of it kind of, it's on the on the river, but to be sailing down the embankment, yeah. which we wouldn't have had for that long, I guess kind of, what, 70 years? Well, I guess that's quite a lot, really. But, um, but yeah, so now the problem was as well that there was a lot of um, dredging that had been carried out from about, the early 1900s, about 1909 to 1928. And basically what they were trying to do and what they did do a lot, they they wanted to deepen the river. So mm-hmm. they would kind of, um, I don't know the terminology, but cut down <laughs> or kind of dig down, I guess, tunnel down under the river to make it kind of wider and to make it deeper so that... Um, uh, bigger boats, bigger vessels that were going to be carrying things down the river could get down into London. Mm-hmm. So because of this dredging and because of certain areas, especially, you know, beyond Canary Wharf and all that area where at the time it would have been used still by a lot of big ships coming through, you had these deeper kind of holes, these kind of recesses. So more water is coming through and filling up. Right. Um, and I guess in terms of questioning, what are we going to do if uh, if we get a flood? Um, people, I think, kind of were passing the buck quite a lot. A lot of um, politicians were kind of not wanting to uh, to kind of talk about creating something because they knew that it was going to cost so much money right okay Mm. which i Um, mean short-term pain long-term gain yeah well you don't do anything you lose the city so yeah which one do you want really yeah so in the end i mean it took a flood another flood which happened in 1953 to finally persuade the authorities to look into constructing some kind of Thames barrier. Right. And they had been talking about, you know, if there is something to be done, it is to create some kind of barrier along the river. Um, but, you know, in terms of the money and them saying, well, you know, how often a flood's going to happen? This is the kind of things they were saying in 1928. But then when in 1953, there was um, a North Sea flood, which again, you know, sent so much water, not just coming through into London. My God, I mean, in in England for this one, 307 people were killed. Wow. And this was in Lincolnshire, Norfolk, Suffolk, Essex. This Anywhere along that that east coast, really. Yeah, absolutely. And it it kind of... um, 
uh, 30,000 people were forced out of their homes. Um, 24,000 people lost their properties. Jeez. Yeah, this was this was a really big one. And there's a couple of, I know uh, how we love our blue plaques. <laughs> <laughs> there's a couple of blue plaques. There's um, one which is in Leon Sea, and it's a blue plaque, and it's kind of a, a level of the flood water, which is oh, quite yeah. interesting because you see the blood. Uh, you see the blood. <laughs> you see, <laughs> oh my god, that's a very different kind of flood. <laughs> so you, the horror movie that. I know. So you see the blue plaque, but it's positioned to kind of show you. My God, you know, if you were walking down the street, you would have been completely submerged by the water. It was just crazy. Um, I think there's an, there's another one in Lincolnshire as well. Um, but floods weren't new, you know, it wasn't like we got to the 1900s and suddenly water was coming in. We had people like Samuel Pepys, who was writing about a huge flood that came into the centre of London and completely submerged Whitehall. Um, the difference was that as we reached 1928, the embankments and the areas by the river were now um, inhabited by people. So you had a lot of reclaimed land by the Victorians who started to build up houses and commercial premises. So there were, you know, horrific floods before, but mm. they weren't really kind of spoke about like these two in particular, wow. because, you know, people weren't necessarily killed or kind of their homes weren't destroyed. So this is where we get to the Thames Barrier. So mm -hmm. finally, in 1982, they decide to do something about it. And they create one of the largest movable flood barriers in the world. And I, I, I love the Thames Barrier so much. <laughs> I do as well, actually. It's really nerdy. <laughs> it's but so I'm... geeky. <laughs> but it's, it's actually really pretty for a bit of, that sounds really weird to say about a bit of, uh, you know, quite a big bit of engineering. It is yeah. really quite an attractive, not little, but, you know, attractive structure, I guess. It's huge. I mean, yeah. you say it's quite attractive. Charles Draper, who actually designed it, he was inspired by his parents' home and their gas cooker in particular. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. So his gas cooker must have looked quite pretty. Yeah. Um, uh, but it is. I mean, to look at, it's just extraordinary. So it spans about 520 metres. So it goes along the Thames and it kind of goes from Woolwich to Newham. And what you've got are these 10 humongous gates and these huge piers, which have been created out of Portland and concrete that are meant to last um, for years on end. And they look like sails. So um, on top of each pier, you have this kind of um, this this sail like structure. And then in between each pier, you have the gates. Um, it takes if you wanted to close all of the gates about an hour and a half to close them all. So it's quite a oh, quite wow. a long process. Quite long. Right. Yeah, but they it, they do that on purpose. It's a slow process because they don't want a sudden, you know, because if they were to close all the gates, if you imagine it, along the Thames, you've got these 10 massive gates, they all close at the same time, kind of bang, then that's going to force a lot of water coming down yeah. the river. So their main aim is to kind of make sure that they don't change the pace at all of a normal kind of tide that's coming through. Right. Um, however, you know, they don't open it that often. And I kind of... Um, close it, you mean? Uh, yeah, close it. I <laughs> presumed 
that they were controlling the water all the time, but actually they only use it if they kind of hear word that there's a cyclone or something that's happened in terms of a storm out at sea that's going to be sending a lot of water mm-hmm. in our direction. So um, they do exercise them kind of a little bit like Tower Bridge, where if you know it hasn't opened for a while because the boat hasn't needed to come through, they will you know kind of give it a day out (laughs) (laughs) stretch its legs um but they say there's a you know a few decisions to close it uh three major factors one of which is the height of the tide usually a spring tide measured at the thames estuary um the height of a tidal surge which um kind of naturally accompanies each tide if you like um the river flow entering the tidal thames and that is measured as it passes over a particular area, which is the Teddington Ware. Mm-hmm. So since it's been built, since it was designed and created, how many times do you think that the gates have closed? I don't think it's many. So when was it completed? 1982. 1982. Um, I feel like only a handful of times. So maybe 10, 15, something like that. 205 okay i'm way out (laughs) um well what is quite you know kind of shocking and suddenly makes you think god thank god we've got this barrier because they say that 114 of the times were to protect protect against tidal flooding and 91 were to protect against combined tidal um and severe flooding wow so so so, you know having gone from two floods in 28 and 53 we could have had 140 floods. Yeah. Or yeah. 200 floods even since 1982. Goodness me. That's yeah. that's quite scary. That is really, really scary, isn't it? Um, and they did have, um, uh, well, a bit of drama, should we say? Uh, <laughs> how, should I, how should I say this? Um, in <laughs> 1997, there was a boat, uh, there was a, well, it was a ship. It was quite a large ship. It was called the Sand Kite. And um, there was a bit of a storm and the, the, the ship actually kind of banged into one of the piers. Ooh. Didn't damage the pier at all, really. It kind of chipped off a little bit of the paint. But the ship, my God, did not do so well. And it oh, sank. No. <gasps> yeah. And it actually sank on top of one of the gates. Oh. So the gates kind of like sit just at the bottom and they kind of rotate. It's quite similar, actually, to Tower Bridge in the way that within the actual towers itself, you have this kind of, um, where you've got this hydraulic system, it kind of rolls and kind of goes back on itself. And, and the gates wobbling her arms like from left to right at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just... She's, she's explaining it through the method of, uh, of, of contemporary <laughs> dance. Um, but I kind of sort of basking. I'm not an engineer. <laughs> Or a dancer for that I should have got Nick to talk about this, actually. (laughs) How dare you? Um, But yeah, sort of of basculi. But yeah, basically the ship's... Yeah, hingy bascular thing. Um, (laughs) This ship, so it kind of just landed on it. And they thought, well, what can we do? How can we get it off? So... um, in the end, they closed all of the other gates, not for long, but long enough that all of the water had to then just go to one gate, the gate that the ship was on, and all of the water kind of pushed it off. And then they were able to to kind of, you know, hoist it up and, and get it out. Okay, it's impressive, isn't it? Yeah. And the whole thing is, it's um, often open um, during open house and in September, you can do a tour there. 
there's a kind of building attached to it which will give you the history of it and there's a lot of people that that work there that absolutely love it and have so much knowledge i remember i don't know if you did but i remember um uh, me and my group, we went there on the, the course. On the training the course, course, the Blue Badge course. Yeah, to the park. Yes. Yeah, the business centre. And it was the first time, yeah, first time I went. And I just thought, God, like, this is absolutely incredible. And, you know, at the time, I didn't think, well, there was a huge flood in 1908, uh, sorry, 1928, and they were questioning whether they should pay for something. But I'm so pleased that they did. I mean, I think it probably took them a while to decide but like it's it's such an incredible thing and they say that they'll have to kind of change a couple of the the pumps and the mechanisms but the actual piers and the gates from being created should last another 20 30 years wow. which is unbelievable to think that they've been there since the 80s and i think if i remember so, rightly that where the the park is is also near where the Bryant and May match factory was from the match girls episode. I think oh, it's right. that. Oh, it was definitely it was definitely something okay. that I remember seeing was just at the exit of that. So I'm I'm gonna have to go down there and I haven't been down there for ages, so I need to go and have a little rummage. Um we should put it in a book. We should do a book, shouldn't we? Um with all these sites and things in there and people can go. Yeah. Yeah, let's, let's do a book. Let's yeah, do a book. absolutely. <laughs> do all our uh, episode adventures and try and link absolutely. them up. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, so yeah, there you go. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> 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 fabulous, fabulously festive flood. Yes, but next oh, week goodness. it is going to be festive. Next week is going to be festive. We are going to have our Christmas special, um, which is all next week. So that's it for this week in terms of the story. Thanks, Em. You're Amazing. welcome. You're welcome. Podcast Pedestal. Are we doing Podcast Pedestal? Yeah, let's do Podcast yes. Pedestal. Final one of the year. <gasps> oh. <laughs> oh. Okay, right. So what am I going to go for? What I say that because, you know, I'm not I'm not being rude. If this is the first episode that you're tuning into and you're thinking, God, she just leaps in, doesn't she? Um, <laughs> our rule is that the person that, you know, talks about whatever we're talking about gets to choose first. Yeah, that's Emily's rule, yep. <laughs> I've just made it up now. Um, <laughs> um, oh, I think I might have to go for HMS President. Oh, okay, floating down the river and, and yeah, being attached down to the, the embankment. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, I think I'm going to go. Is it? Oh, can I do this? Can I go for the just the Thames barrier? Can I go for oh, that? That's a that's a You're not happy with that, are you? But I will let you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a big one, but no, I will one. let you. I will let you. Yeah. I think that's um it's a it's a very cruxy point of the story and I it guess is. the podcast pedestal is what's the cruxiest point, so. Because it was it was that thing about, you know, it having been used like about 200 times since it was finished. Yeah. And that I think that is a that's really quite Quite a, 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 it's a very good, I guess, thing to imagine. You suddenly go, oh, wait, hang on, 200 times that we could have flooded in the last, what, 40 years is quite a, quite a big statistic. So I think I'm going to go for that. Good yeah. plan. I like it. So there's your options this week, gang, which will be on the Instagram uh, on Sunday. And you can vote on that. So who's going to win the last one of the year? 
I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> it would be you. Um, <laughs> uh, so that is it for this week. Um, we're not going to do a um, wheel because next week is our festive special. Yes. And then we will have um, a week off before we come back in the new year. Um, so tune in next week when we'll have some lovely festive treats for you. Ooh, can't wait. <laughs> have a great week, guys. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Bye.